It is great to be with you guys today, and I could say the same things about Dave, but I could say even better things about Ann. How many say amen to that? Uh, no, Dave is my best friend. He's a great support. He's been a part of everything that I've done as well, and uh, you know, I think we need to go back a moment. Uh, Dave said uh, he's excited. He's here. He's got a 10-year vision. Can you guys celebrate the fact you have amazing pastors and honor them one more time? Before I jump in the message today, if you don't know what the Assemblies of God does best is we give plaques. Um, it's one of the, like, I'm not sure when we get to heaven we'll be able to see Jesus beyond the Assembly of God plaques that are piled up. But we do have one for you today uh, congratulating you on the 90th anniversary of your church. And it simply says, the Michigan Ministry Network conveys its congratulations and appreciation to K-First in celebration of their 90th anniversary, September 2003. Pastor Dave, I want to give this to you. And as you do that, can you celebrate you and celebrate yourself? My wife, Jamie, is here. She's sitting next to Ann, and uh, I truly love not only Dave and Ann, I love their whole family. I love uh, your church. You, you may say, how do you love our church? Two things. One, when you become the superintendent, God downloads a love for, your, for churches that uh, is very similar to what I did when I pastored. We're so blessed to have Mike and Carmen Johnson here. They were part of our church. They just happened to be here, didn't know I was going to be here. Had they, they might not have come, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Mike served on my board, one of the best board members I've ever had uh, the pleasure of serving alongside of, and uh, Dylan and Haley are here, Hallie are here, sorry, and they were part of our church for a long time before they moved over to Grand Rapids and got married and uh, continue to celebrate. I've never seen someone celebrate their wedding more in my entire life than you. You continue to celebrate, which makes me love the fact that you celebrate. And uh, the Chandlers were a part of our church for a brief period of time, and uh, they're back here, and just so grateful to be here. But one of the things we're doing is celebrating 90 years, and I want you to know a church is really one of the most unique entities on earth. Um, you are the result of decades of people who you've never met, never know, and never will. Here's the truth. In 90 years from now, this is not a great way to start a message. It's very depressing for a moment. In 90 years from now, nobody will know any of you. Pastor Dave and Ann will return to a historic part of the church history as lead pastors for a certain period of time. Now, before you get depressed, let me just say something to you. That is also the beauty and the amazingness of a church. K-First has never been your church. It's where you attend. It's always been his church. And the beauty of my previous statements is that God loved your church 90 years ago with you in mind, and he's loving your church now for 90 years from now with other people in mind because God is just that great. This is not the story of you today, or you're part of the story, but it's the story of 90 years of God. Okay, I'll say that too. You get excited. By the way, the more a you amen, the shorter I preach. I, yeah, there you go. Let's get in that practice. I, I will tell you, if I think you're bored, I'll bore you even more. So get excited today. It's 90 years. Amen. And, and, there you go. Now, okay, in conclusion, well done. 
And by the way, Pastor Marty has been here for 85 of the 90 years. How many are grateful for that? I mean, that's an award that we should give right there. It's the story of 90 years of God's faithfulness, of God showing up, of God doing the impossible, of God being amazing, of God saving lives, of God rescuing people from addiction and rescuing them from themselves. It's the story of a dream that did not start in people's heart, but started in God's mind through people 90 years ago that has become you. Do you understand that as Christians, I'm jumping off track here, as Christians, do you understand the most amazing thing you have to grasp as a Christian believer is that you are the continuation story of what God did in the early church in Acts? You are the continuing story of when Jesus came to earth and born in the manger. You're the continuing story of Adam, the, the representation of what would come through Jesus and Abraham's God's blessing. Even though it's the Jewish people, it's still that through that people, the Gentiles would be saved. Do you realize that every day and every breath of your life, you're a continuation and a fulfillment of the prophecy and the plan of God through time? If we don't grasp that as Christians, we start getting consumed by other things in society that take our attention. We stop being in awe of who God is. And I have a contention that's happening in the kingdom that God is wanting to shake up the souls of the kingdom to get grateful again and sing songs like thank you again because we have become so self-consumed in our culture that we forget to thank Jesus for just showing up every day. He saved you from hell. He set your life on, on track. And that started 90 years before you were even born, 90 years ago. God had a plan for you for this time, for this day in September 2023. Your church was founded in 1933. You know some of this, but I don't know if this was covered by Pastor Brooks. During a very challenging time, in 1993, it was the single worst year of the Great Depression. 25.2% of individuals were unemployed, one in every four. Strong winds stripped the topsoil and the drought affected farms in the Midwest, creating some of the worst dust bowls in the history of the country. It was such a critical time. Adolf Hitler had become the chancellor of Germany, opening the door for the first concentration camp to develop. Do you realize when your church was planted, it was the most inopportune, worst timing, the most inconceivable concept that in the midst of a depression, in the midst of all things that are happening, that God would say, plant a church. In the midst of so much turmoil, God looked at this area and decided nothing would stop the establishment of his plans. Nothing on earth ever has, nothing ever will. By the way, Christians, can I tell you, the more fear-filled you get as we approach the end times, whenever that comes, the more fear-filled you get in the political season to come, the more we talk about what the devil is doing, the less glory God gets. Can I just encourage you? You are sons and daughters of the Most High. God's got this under control. No matter how bleak it gets, he is still God and you are still his. We become, the Christian world gets so angst-filled and we become so, so, and listen, we talk about the devil all the time. The devil did this, the devil did that. Can I encourage you? In the midst of a season when a lot of people said this world doesn't work, God did something amazing and he will and can do that again. So today we're really celebrating God. We're honoring the season we're in, but we're celebrating God. And as we reflect 
We must celebrate on the past, we honor the present, and we must eagerly anticipate tomorrow. We learn from the past. We partner with him in the present, and we follow his lead forward. I'm gonna say that again. We learn from the past, we honor and partner with him in the present, and we follow his lead for the future. In the Bible, I wanna give you something uh, today that is an interesting story of a promise, a process, and a premise. And it's back to Abraham and Sarah. And you may say, why is this part of this message? I think you'll see it at the end. I want to give you a couple observations from text. We'll be in Genesis chapter 12. It should be on the screen. Uh, let me give you a first observation. Everything that happened with Abraham and Sarah started with a promise. Just like your church, God started with a promise. God started with a promise with them. Genesis chapter 12 says this. The Lord said to Abram, which is Abraham, Go from the country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Abraham gets this call from God. We're familiar with this. But this call from God is a promise God gives him. We know this. God tells Abraham he'll be a great nation, yet he has no children. Abraham has a promise, and that is all he has. Do you know uh, some of the greatest moments in my life have started when God just gave me a simple promise and I had no idea how to figure it out? Anyone else experience that? You know, how about this? When you walked across the, looked across the, uh, the stage when you got married and said, I do, and you're thinking, God gave me a promise of my beautiful, amazing, wonderful, uh, godly wife, and then you realize once you got married, you didn't know how to do this. Here's the cool part. It's almost 25 years. She still likes me right? Like your, head, your head just did a little nod. I was expecting a like, woo, yeah. Okay, I'm in trouble on the way home. God gives Abraham a promise to go out and build a new life. Listen to this. It was a new direction, a new life, in a new place, and the promise was God would do something amazing. God tells him to go do something that was not normal, something that didn't make sense. Why? He had to leave his homeland. He had to leave everything that was familiar. He had to step into something new to accomplish something great. Can I just tell you, your spiritual journey as believers will never be great if you don't step into the new that Jesus wants to do. If the last memories of the greatest move of God were seven years ago in your life, or someone says, tell me how great God is, and it was 10 years ago, can I encourage you? You need some new movements with God, some new direction with God. You should not have a 10-year-ago moment with God that, that, and nothing in between. You've got to step into the new to accomplish the promises of God. And Abraham listens to this and does something similar to your church plan that makes no sense. For Abraham, God tells him, to do something, and he does. For Kay first, it was Mr. and Mrs. Joel Simmons and Mr. and Mrs. Romeo Fry who had a dream that they wanted to see a church planted, contacted Springfield. I looked up in our historic records and, and, and found the communication where they requested to the general council that they send a pastor. A pastor, Asa Miller, accepted that call. God began to speak, planted a church in a season that didn't make sense, in a location to do a new thing with one thing, a promise from God. God told them they'd build a great church. Did they imagine all that you are today? Probably not. You know what they hoped for? Five people probably to show up on the first Sunday. Do you know why five? Because those two were a couple. They knew if they got one more, they grew. 
God, just give us growth on the first Sunday. And you know the history of what God has done, and look where you're at. Somebody bought those chairs that you may never know. Somebody contributed. By the way, just let me say this. Pastor Dave did not ask me to say this. Here's a great question about you as tithers. If everyone in the church tithed like you did, what would happen to the church? Ask yourself that on the way home. Tithers love that question. You go, amen. If everybody tithed in this church, it would be a lot. Blah, blah, blah. And those who get in the car mad, you're the ones who don't tithe. So that's your own guilt, not mine. Can I say that? Do you still like me, Jamie? Somebody contributed during the Great Depression to build a church. Here's the truth. A promise from God will sustain anything God puts his hand on, even if something tries to defeat you. A promise will sustain and make it through if God's hand is on that promise, no matter what tries to defeat you. This was true for Abraham and Sarah. This is true for Kay first. But he and Sarah, listen, they did what they said, what God said, and they accomplished some great things. Second observation, every promise needs a process. Do you know what we do in the kingdom of God because we tend to be on the, well, we are on the charismatic side. We tend to be Pentecostal. We live by the Spirit. One of the things that happens is sometimes we just say things that are dramatic, like the Lord said do this, and it's like, okay, but understand, it doesn't happen in a day. There is a process to that. There is a process to, uh, Pastor Dave had a 90-year celebration. There's a process. He had to book me on my calendar almost a year ago. That's a, a process that Cammie had to get us a hotel. It was a process for, for you to get here today. How many know every day we go through processes? You get up every day and you just, you, listen, I'm going to get off track. You shower the same way every day in a rhythm. You get ready every day in the morning in the same rhythm. Do you know why you're in a bad mood some days when you get to work? Anything that disrupts the process of you getting ready throws you off. Come on. We are so process-oriented, but in the kingdom sometimes, we want the promise to be fulfilled. Here's what I've learned. God rarely harvests in the same season he plants. You don't reap the harvest in the same season you plant. There's a process. The sun has to come out. Water has to go. Weeds have to be pulled. There's a process to everything in the kingdom of God. Now, sometimes God does miraculous things momentarily and instantaneously, but most of the time, it's a process. And I've learned every promise comes with a process. Abraham begins his side of the process. I think every process has two parts, God's side and our side. We get moving, he keeps going. He keeps leading. He keeps directing. Genesis 12, three through four. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. What's he talking about? Along the journey, there will be blessings and curses, and I'll be a part of helping you through both. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. I will make you into a great nation. That's a promise God gives him. No kids, of course, we know that sounds crazy when you have no children and you're going, how will I become a great nation when I'm 75 years old? And they wait for this promise to come true. They wait for many winters, many summers, many springs, many falls for this nation to be birthed. 
Now I'm sure through this time, the emotions that come of the ups and downs and the battles and the feelings probably get crazy, just like a normal church. Every church has an ebb and flow, great seasons, tough seasons, wonderful seasons, mild seasons, struggles and crisis. Every church has that in their history. It's part of the process. But how many can say, after all of 90 years, God is still good? And his plan for this church has not changed. Now, if I was God and, or Abraham, Abraham and I had been asked to move to a new location and nothing was happening, I think I'd be upset. We read this in Genesis 16. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. I, I love that the Bible notes this, and I believe it's noted out of the frustration Abraham and Sarah are feeling, and we know this to be true. We know Abraham and Sarah eventually will step outside of the waiting period to try to enhance God's plan by having Abraham be with his maidservant uh, and, and a child is born. But it's not the plan that God had. I find that waiting in America is pretty hard to do. How many say amen to that? I mean, fast food should be called fast food, especially since we're paying $80 a hamburger now. I wonder how many times over the last years of Abraham and Sarah's life they had conversations about what they hoped we would get to in their lifetime. I wonder how many times over the last 90 years the church, the pastor, the congregation here spent time waiting for that promise for God to come true. I remember when we uh, assumed responsibility for a campus of a church that was about to close. It had six people and three of them were leaving. And the network asked if we would consider uh, making it a multi-site. I remember walking the halls with one of the congregants who had been there, and she said, Pastor, 10 years ago, I had a vision of children running through this hall. I heard the sounds during a worship service of kids running through the hall. I, I visualized that I saw it. Pastor, did we fail? Did I not hear from God? She stuck with the church, and about a year and a half afterwards, that campus had 40 kids running through the halls. On a Sunday, I pulled her aside, and I said, do you remember that vision God gave you? And she and I just sat there weeping and crying as she saw children running through, and she goes, this is what I saw. Now contrast that with another lady who hated the fact that we renovated the building and every time I'd go there, she'd take me to the closet, the janitor's closet that we never changed. She'd open it and tell me, this is my favorite part of the building. So every Sunday I would come up and I'd say, let's go. And she'd say, what? I said, I want to look at your favorite part of the building. And we'd open the door, we'd stand in the hallway and she'd say, ah, you didn't change anything. How many know? Church people, you're weird. You're just a weird group of people. I mean, I'm sure not here, but you're weird. The stuff that comes up, if there was a book to be written, oh my goodness. I wonder how much of a process the early members of this church waited for land to be purchased. Then the frustration of paying for that land, the bricks being built to build the building, getting it paid off, filling it with people, hiring teams, all the things that happen. Abraham and Sarah wait a long time before God answers the promise. Here's the truth. Waiting for the promise while walking through the process builds your character in ways that no one will ever uh, nothing else could ever do. 
I'll tell you, the seasons of a church, even the difficult seasons, build something within. Mike and Carmen remember the days when we were wandering at a Van Dyke Park hotel, setting up and tearing down and setting up and tearing down. And I will tell you, something got built in unity and a spirit of ability to get through anything that happened that we needed for a building program that took forever and had a lot of problems. God built something within the DNA and the character of a congregation, even through the hard things, even through the Abraham and Sarah waiting moments that produces something to sustain the great nation they would become. I will tell you, every season, even the bad ones, through the history of Kalamazoo First Assembly, I will tell you, through K-First, has built something of, of a foundation that you can build off on for the future. It does something. God does something. And by the way, the process may have those bumps and bruises and we can't get out of line and ahead of God. Genesis 16, now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Isn't it amazing? In the waiting process of a promise, we sometimes even blame God who gave us the promise that we're holding on to and then take actions into our own hands. Catch this. She is acknowledging God gave her a promise and she's blaming God for not doing it in the time frame she wanted. Come on. Parents who have a child away from the Lord, do not give up. And do not assume it has to happen tomorrow and rush the process. Trust God through the process. Church leaders, if you're here and you're saying, yeah, but we want this and we want that, don't rush the process. Trust God. He's the one who gave the promise. That's what's so bizarre about Sarah here is he gives the promise. She's now mad at him for not doing it in her time. She gets impatient. So she says, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family together through her. And Abraham agreed. If you don't pay attention, you might miss this. The attempt to do something new in the common sense takes away the promises of God in that blessing that returns from your own action. In other words, let me say it this way. Sarah takes a common sense practice approach and tries to make it a God-ordained thing. Okay, first, God has huge plans for your future, but they cannot be your plans. And you cannot rush his plans. Do not take a promise of God, do it your own way, and expect God to ordain the things that stepped outside of the waiting period of the process. It doesn't happen in a moment. When I became superintendent, my first presbyter meeting, I shared a bunch of things about the future. And uh, somebody said to me afterwards, you know, that's going to take at least three to five years. I can't believe you're, you're willing to wait that long. I said, it's going to take that long. You don't rush things. You don't have a brand new baby and then stand them up and expect them to walk. You don't expect a 15-year-old teenage girl to not have emotions that are strong, dominant, and all the time. Can you tell I'm living through that season right now? See, our impatience causes us to look at the natural and place supernatural hope upon it, and you'll always be let down. I'll say that again. Our impatience causes us to look at the natural and place supernatural hope upon it, and we will always be let down. 
Nothing you do in the natural can match a, a movement of God. That's why planting in a depression is a move of God that worked. Why? Because when it's God's thing, God makes up the difference. Okay, first has had some major movements across the time of their history, up and down and struggles left and right. But K-First, it's not been pain-free, but it's been a God movement in your history. And then observation number three, a promise always comes with a premise. God gives them a premise. You will have a child, you will have a child, and it will begin the fulfillment of a greater promise to be a blessing to the whole world. Genesis 17 says this, God also said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarah, but Sarai, but Sarah, her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give her a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham reacts. Watch this. I love Abraham in his simplicity. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at age of 90? Come on, now you're seeing how this fits to you. And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Again, back to that thing. She had something outside of the blessing of God and she's hoping God puts a supernatural blessing on it. I want you to notice, and we're getting near the end here. Sarah is 90 years old. She has decades of history behind her. She has proof that it's not going to work moving forward because of the evidence it hasn't worked so long and it's been a long time since God gave the promise. So here we are. I guess this is just it. She's learned over 90 years how life works just like you've learned how church works. She's at the phase of life when she can give advice to younger people, carry the cares of the past, and give wisdom to move forward because she has proven history behind her. She's 90 years old, and she's got some wisdom. I looked this up. Regina Brett, she's a New York Times bestseller, did a, a poll of 90-year-old individuals in America, and uh, she asked them what life lessons they learned. I'm going to read a couple to you, uh, not all of them, but here's some wisdom. When in doubt, just take the next small step. I like that. Life is too short, wasting time hating on anyone. Cry with someone. It's more healing than crying alone. Make peace with your past so it won't screw up your present. <laughs> if a relationship has to be a secret, you shouldn't be in it. Woo! I'm going to post that on Facebook. Everything can bring change in the blink of an eye, but don't worry, God never blinks. Uh, Over-prepare, then go with the flow. That's for you, Dave. No one is in charge of your happiness except you. Frame every so-called disaster with these five words. In five years will this matter. What other people think of you is none of your business. I'm going to pause. You, you might have missed that because that was really good. What other people think of you is none of your business. However good or bad a situation is, it will change. Your job won't take care of you when you're sick. Your friends will. Get rid of anything that isn't useful. Be joyful. Or, sorry, get rid of anything that isn't useful, beautiful, or joyful. And lastly, when it comes to chocolate, resistance is futile. Let me say amen to that last one. 
My wife's giving more of an affirmation to that than if she still likes me. I heard that over there. That's the fun section. This is the spiritual section, and this is my wife's section. They're all rallying behind her over here. She's 90 years old. She's got some things to teach. And then she finds herself pregnant at 90. I mean, wow. Imagine this. At 90 years old, she's pregnant and about to do something she's never done before. Give birth to a child and become the biological mother to a son. Obviously, for Sarah, it was a child. For you, it's a new opportunity for you to become pregnant with a new vision. At 90 years old, can Kay first become pregnant again? Abraham wasn't sure at first, but what about you? You're 90 years old, and this church has the potential to birth some new things that will be a blessing to the world and to the community. It's not time to sit back and say, 90 years, here's all I've learned. Chocolate is king. It is time to say, with all I've learned, I'm in a new season. I'm carrying a new dream, a new vision. I'm ready to birth something new as a church that will extend beyond my lifetime. So in 90 years, the baby grows up and becomes a grandchild and a great-grandchild. And whether I ever see that or not, this is the season where we'll be the heroes to give birth to a new dream. This is the season for K-First. I say this to churches all the time. Sometimes I go into churches and there's a group of people and it's usually in a smaller setting and the church is not willing to change. In fact, they hold strong to the fact that they're where they are because they've been faithful. It's some of the faithfulness is not questionable, but the reality of where their church is is often not seen. And I ask them this question when they're mad and they say things like, well, we don't like young people and, you know, we don't like loud music and it's got to be songs that are sung out of a hymnal or it's got to be this way. Listen, I'm all for that. By the way, some hymns are some of the best songs ever and some modern worship songs are some of the best and some hymns are terribly, terribly awful and some modern songs are terribly awful. How many can say amen to that? And I've learned every church has a worship leader, just not all of them can sing. You're very blessed. I feel like everyone on this stage can sing, and I feel right now that the Lord is giving me the voice of a singer. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. And we get stuck in saying, this is who we are, and we start telling a story about who we are that is based on where we've been, not where we're going. So the conversations in the hallways become about who we were. You hear things said, oh, back in the day, oh, my word, 20 years ago, oh, when Brother Dalabo was here. How many know that's one of the historic heydays of this church? Great pastor, great leader, great season. And we long more for our past than we're ready to give birth to something new. Remember what I said at the beginning, today is not about you, it's about the faithfulness of God, and I got news for you. The future is not about your preference, your comfortability, your desires. The future is about God establishing his church here in Kalamazoo. It's not about 
you or me? What if it is time to see the original promise of God from 1993, born in the Great Depression, to become fulfilled so you can be a blessing in a new way? What if God wants to finish what he started through you? I'm going to ask that question again. Can God finish what he started through you? I want you to pause on that because that is a much deeper and more impactful and overwhelming question than it may seem on the surface. Because the answer will be yes or no. And if it's no, your future is dim. If it's yes, then here's what that means. We surrender everything to the possibilities of what he can do. You can come on up and begin to play. By the way, did you know that when worship leaders play behind you, every preacher sounds better? Yes, I'm just telling you. Listen to this. In Genesis 17, she gives birth to Isaac at age 90. Symbolizes the commitment to God's fulfillment. At 90 years old, we're, uh, God's we're starting a new thing, a whole thing. Now let's jump ahead for a moment. I want you to see something interesting. Isaac has grown and it's now, is now beginning to make his own way. The sweet time for Isaac, Abraham and Isaac as father and son has been wonderful. All of his investment towards his child is teaching him about life and, and helping him grow has been a part of it. And Genesis 22 says this, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, he, here I am, he replied. Now the readers know something's about to happen and we know the end of the story, but Abraham doesn't. Take your son, verse two, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Morah, or Moriah, sorry. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering uh, on one of the mountains I will tell you about. We know Isaac will be okay, but Abraham doesn't. We don't know all the reasons for sure, but we do know that God says he was tested and Abraham said, here I am. I want you to know, if you choose to embrace the new season, there's gonna come a testing and you're gonna have to say, here I am, God. It's not fun right now, but God, I'm right here. Abraham has been doing all God has told him to do. And I love this. God is testing Abraham, asking, do you trust me? That's what he's asking. Do you trust me, Abraham? Years earlier, God did the same thing by asking Abraham to let go of his homeland. And he's asking Abraham to let go of his heritage, really his past. Now it's like he's saying, will you let go and trust me with your future? Abraham, will you leave your home and, I'll, and trust me with your heritage? And now you've got a son. Abraham, will you trust me with your future? Let me say this, church, and if you don't like this, I get to leave in a few minutes and Dave can never mention my name again. The reason churches get stuck in their own attitude, demeanor, or demands is because they stop trusting God. And they start looking at themselves. They stop saying, God, if you're in it, it's going to be good no matter what it looks like. I was in a church one time where the pastor said, yeah, we have a, a problem happening in our church. I said, what's that? They said, we have 23 new teenagers coming to our church. And on Sundays, they rush the front and they dance and they worship and they shout unto God. And it's making the service louder. And the older people are upset because they think it's too loud. He says, we have a problem. I said, what's the problem? And he says, well, these kids are unruly. I said, your problem is the saint sitting in the seat judging something about the goodness of God when kids are getting saved. You got the wrong problem. 
You know, buildings are a tool, church. The Bible says where there are no ox, the stable stays clean. You should keep your building clean, but my goodness, let's see what God can do. What happens if we trust God? Abraham, will you trust me with your future? Notice it says, God does not tell him to go into a tent and kill Isaac. God tells him to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. So I got some closing questions, and I'm going to pray a benediction straight out of Scripture. Four questions that I felt God put on my heart for you. Uh, five questions, sorry. Will you allow God to make you pregnant again at 90? I'm going to sit on that, and I want you to answer that honestly, internally, right now, while you're sitting there. Will you let God make K-First pregnant with new vision, new hope, new desires? I once had a person at our church tell me, Pastor, too many people are getting saved. We had a lady come in the sanctuary smoking the other day. We had a guy show up to a rally, an event we did in our shirt, drunk out of his mind, and he got saved the week before. Pastor, and he said to me in the hallway, I couldn't believe it, Pastor, too many people are getting saved. I had a bold moment. I wasn't this way as a pastor. Those who are part of our church know I was very kind, but I said in that moment, then you need to go find another church. Because who are you going to tell can't come here? Who are you thinking you are to stand at a door of a church and say, you can't come? You're going to mess it up. It's going to be messy in this place. Who do we think we are in the kingdom to get in the way of the journey of someone coming to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Now, I, I don't think that's the problem here, but I will tell you, getting pregnant changes everything. You don't feel the same way. There's some morning sickness. And my wife says it this way. For the first eight months when you're pregnant, you're like, Lord, this thing has to come out of me. The last month you're so miserable. She's like, Lord, get that thing out of me. But there's a period of time where you have to do new things for the nutrition of the pregnancy. So what is birth in nine months is healthy. Okay, first, second question. Will you honor the past, but will you trust them with your future? And can you move beyond your past enough to look to the future without preconceived ideas? Third question, can you move beyond your own comfort or disbelief to trust God for a greater tomorrow? Fourth question, will you, be, will you help fulfill what the Simmons and the Fries and Pastor Asa Miller saw 90 years ago? And last question, I asked it earlier, Will you let God finish what he started in 1993? 33, 1933, thank you. I say that to you, I haven't been a pastor for the last two and a half years. This role is a, a wild ride. It is things that I never thought I'd have to deal with. It is heartbreaking. There are times my wife and I will leave situations just crying on the way home saying, God, what can you do here? It deals with moral failings of ministers. It deals with churches in conflict and crisis. But there's something happening across Michigan. I'm seeing in our churches, churches that are willing to say, hey, we're tired from the past. We're wore out from history but we're starting to hunger for Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit at a level that is different than it's been in my past. 
We're returning to the love of worship, not for what we feel, but for worshiping who he is. I'm seeing a love for the altar and prayer and worship in private time starting to grow again. We're getting past church being cool and getting back to cool church reaching people for Jesus because the mission of the church was always to seek and save that which was lost. We're starting to talk about being about my father's business again, just like Jesus did. We're wanting the real and the authentic and the transparent. We're craving a move of the Holy Spirit. I don't know when the Lord is coming back, and if someone tells you they have a date, they're wrong. The Bible makes that clear. No one knows. But I do know this. We're an hour and 15 minutes closer than we were at the start of the service. And God is not done with you. It's okay first. Get pregnant again. This section, get pregnant with something for God. You guys, lead the way in the tomorrow things. Be excited about the possibilities as, a, as you begin to walk, as you begin to crawl, as you begin to learn something new. This section, get behind your leaders. Because change is always hard. The vision Pastor Dave will share will always have changes. But as a congregation, may the greatest days not be the history of K-First, but the tomorrow of K-First. May you see that. And may you be the hero generation. That's what I was going to say, and I didn't finish that. When I talk to the older congregations that are struggling, here's what I ask them. Will you be the hero generation that history looks back and says you were willing to do something new to accomplish something great? Or will you be the historic part of the church that watches it die? The choice is up to you. And a lady raised her hand one time and said, I don't like you putting that choice on me. And I said... It is on you. And I've watched some congregations say, whatever it takes, we'll do it. Because this is about him and not me. Let me pray a benediction prayer straight out of scripture over you and then I'll turn it over to Pastor Dave. And I'm sorry I went long. That's what guest speakers do. You'll still get home in time for the miracle of the lions. How many are appreciating that? Come on. Anyway, that was an ungodly moment, but... I'm going to read these straight from Scripture, Romans chapter 5, and then a bunch of others. Here's my prayer for you, straight from the Word. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that the, by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. 1 Corinthians, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Can I get an amen? Ephesians 3, Christ dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Colossians chapter 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And lastly, 2 Corinthians 13, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and the God of peace will be with you. Can I pray for you? In fact, uh, Pastor Dave's gonna come up. I'm gonna have you stand. He may have you sit back down, but I'm gonna have you stand and I'm gonna ask you, to lift your hands, and when I pray, would you pray? Would you pray like the founders of this church prayed? 90 years later, would you pray with the desperation in your soul? And when you do, would you extend your hands like this, like you have open hands? See, sometimes we like to start miracles with full baskets when God wants us to start with empty. Think about the miracles of loaves and fishes. God started with empty baskets and filled them. I'm going to ask you as I pray, would you pray with desperation that God would make your church pregnant again? So Lord, I pray for K first. We've heard your word. God, I pray for the great move of your spirit in this church. Right now, in the desperation of our hearts, we want to see what you have in store. So, Lord, we yield our rights and our will. We submit our lives to you. Make us pregnant with new things for tomorrow. Let this become a place of blessing so we can be a blessed place to other people. Change the world from Kalamazoo first. Come on, let's pray. Change the world. Do it in me, start with me, that everywhere I go, I splash hope to the world around me. That at 90, I'm willing to learn something new as a church so that our tomorrow will be greater than anything in the past. Birth something new now, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Not just vision in the pastor, but vision throughout the whole church, a longing, a desperation for more and more of you, for more direction from you, to live it out. Let us do the God-ordained things so we can see the God-planned things happen at this church. Lord, have your way with their tomorrow. In Jesus' name I pray.